Good evening, sir. Yo, yo, this is episode 48 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast with your host, Brett and CH. Today's topics, looks like the Cash App is launching their uh, investing feature, which is pretty interesting, maybe even a little coincidental. We'll get into that. Um, Global macro has been really wacky over the last week or so specifically, and uh, Lebanon's in a bit of a banking crisis. Like the banks have been shut down for a couple days here, so we'll, we'll touch on that. And then, and then our good friend Zuck was uh, just completely drilled by Congress uh, recently. So you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But how you doing? Uh, how you doing this week, man? Doing good. Uh, it's you know, as we're gonna say, the Square Cash App thing. It's, um, it's you know, is it, is it more retail money pouring in? Is it every avenue opening? And I know you're going to ask me that eventually, but it's just, it's right there on my mind right now. You know, are they, yeah, yeah. Are they trying to load as many people as possible? You know, or I feel like smart money, you know, they're opening up every avenue for new people to invest in the market. Like, really easy. Like, think about how easy Square is. Like, even for the average person, like, trying to just go on and go on to like a Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade and, you know, buy shares is a, you know, I feel like some people that's just a complicated task for. I mean, I'm I'm so used to the you know whatever limit market etc. Just you know doing buying something. And I feel like people you know for the average person, but now that you can do it in a very you know um, user friendly app and buy fractions of a share, as I said, one dollar of Berkshire Hathaway or twenty dollars of Apple or thirty dollars of Tesla. You know what what is this shit show going to become? Are people going to think about people to start pouring money into this? And okay, they might have you know a thousand dollars eventually pooled in, you know. And I was saying earlier, like, what's the backside of this? You know, people, how much money are they going to pile in? You know, right? No, I think that's a good point. And just to take a step back, because uh, I feel like I didn't really explain what was going on with the Cash App. So Jack and Cash App recently tweeted. Um, that they're going to offer an investing feature, right? So as you mentioned, you'll be able to to buy fractional shares of your favorite stock. So in other words, if you wanted to buy $1 worth of Apple stock, you know, you you can. And you know, I I was trying to think about this. I said, "Okay, you know, on one hand it's it's great. Um maybe the average person doesn't have uh, you know, 300 bucks to buy one share of Tesla or however many hundred bucks to buy Apple or whatever. They can only really do a couple bucks a day, a couple bucks a week, whatever. So on one hand, it's great for the average person. They can just dollar cost average their way into whatever equities they want to invest in. The problem is, as you mentioned, it, the, the timing is just a little weird, right? Where the markets are at all time highs, equities, um, and it looks like retail money is drying up. I mean, you see multiple of your traditional uh, investing and trading platforms are having to compete with Robinhood with no commission trades. I mean, even even me, I I use one of your typical uh, your typical custodians and uh, trading platforms to do my trading. But when I sit and think about it, I'm like, why wouldn't I just use Robinhood and and get free trades? Like, it just doesn't make any sense that I'm going to pay seven bucks every time I'm going to trade. And and now that that kind of those margins are getting squeezed. Those features are being uh, competed against for for the incumbents. So that I think is good that the average person now can can get in there. But you know. 
retail money is essentially drying up for, I was talking to a coworker. I was like, when was the last time you legitimately just like bought a stock, any stock? And he's like, I don't know. I haven't. And the answer is you have, but it's been coming out of your paycheck every two weeks. You know, these passive uh, Vanguard funds and all that stuff. That's the only money that's really flowing in. Yeah. Um, from, from a retail bubble. standpoint, right. It's passive. And then, and then just as you were saying, is this, uh, just another way of trying to pump more money into the system? Uh, I, I don't know that that's kind of my question. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, it doesn't seem like, okay. You know, it might not seem like much, but like, okay, let's say, you know, I don't know, 10,000 people do a thousand dollars. It's, it's, you know, it's a million, you know, what is that a million or 10 million? Um, I don't know. Um, but you know, if you think about if a hundred thousand people do a, you know, average out of a thousand dollars, that's, you know, 10 million to, you know, dollars. There you go. A million people do it. Then you got, well, a million people do it. Then you get a billion actually. So at right. a at hundred thousand, you're getting a hundred million. So yeah. that's, you know, that's enough to buy some shares, I guess. I don't know. It's, it, you know, and so, but still it adds up. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, and, I and at the end of the day, more, it, it's it's just handing over bags more than anything. It's liquidity, right? And that that's more my concern with, you know, your average investor who's. I mean, listen, people they need another way to make money. Everybody talks about the gig economy and multiple jobs and this and that. You know, I have a full time job and I, I still want to do something for extra money. It would be nice to have, honestly. Um, so people, nice. yeah, I mean, people want to be able to put their money to work. The problem is the people who are trying to put their money to work at the wrong time. Uh, and I, like, I can't say for sure that this is the wrong time because I thought it was the wrong time in December and like yeah. I was wrong. So, and, and then the market pumped. I like, I look like a fool pretty much. So it was absolutely the right time to be buying more. Um, so like, I, I, I just, I think it's, it's a good thing when you objectively look at it. It's fantastic. The average person who can throw a couple bucks in every day, every week to, to invest for their future. That's awesome. We've never had that. You would, you would have had to buy full shares of something and pay a large commission fee. So it's great that that's starting to go away. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, and the reason I asked is because, uh, Jack had kind of, uh, had commented on this tweet from the cash app and he said, this is Jack Dorsey, the CEO. And he said, you know, you're not into stocks you can still stack sats. So it looks like you're going to be able to switch from their Bitcoin, uh, you know, buying and selling platform and you'll be able to like kind of hit a button and switch and it'll give you, uh, it'll take you to the stock section. So I don't wonder if the people who are going to start looking at investing in stocks on the cash app, will they end up taking a closer look at Bitcoin then? Um, that's a good question. You know, it, that's, you know, our, cause I mean, obviously, it's probably what just a f touch of one thing on the screen, and you go to crypto instead of or, or Bitcoin or whatever, instead of exactly. stocks or equities. Yep. Um, yeah, who knows? It's again, it's I think more platforms are you know, as you even say, like the GBTC, more people are getting access to actually buying Bitcoin now. So it's, it, you know, whether through like a four hundred one k or through other routes. So it's it's you know, just another route, people who wouldn't normally do it now have access because they wanted to buy stocks right. off Square. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, people. Some people say like it's like 1998, but I don't know. And but if that's the case, another year of this, year and a half. Uh, I don't know. Right. It it seems unlikely, but then you never know, right? You you really don't. But like, you know, it's just so like the the macro right now is just so like as we keep saying like. Uh, I don't know if we, do we just want to jump in the protest now or do we want yeah, to? Yeah, no, this, this, this is a good point. Let's jump yeah. in. Um, yeah, I mean, but like Lebanon's been having protests and I think we're going to mention basically their bank has, banks have been shut down for a week, right? Yeah, it's been like six or more business days where the banks have been closed. Yeah, so um, it's just like what's going on in Lebanon is like millions of people are protesting. It's a small country. If you don't know what Lebanon is, it's on the Mediterranean. Um Correctly, it's I don't know if North's the correct term. It's right next to Israel and Syria, and Jordan, so it's right there. Um, and you know, it's just another example of there's you got going on in uh, Spain right now. Is it Catalonia? Is that right? The yeah, or I think in Barcelona but, as well. Yeah, in Barcelona, but um, you get Spain. You have what we saw in Chile recently. The massive protests in Chile. And those are those are pretty bad. The beatings, obviously, Hong Kong's been a big thing for now months. Hong Kong's been like four months. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of time. It's it's been like a hundred and sixty days or hundred and twenty days, something like that. I don't know. Um, and it's just it is mind boggling. You know, it's like you know what's not priced in. You know, our you know with interest rates at all time lows, and I think I think. It, a good example right now is like the Fed, as we keep saying, it's just been pumping the markets and here's, but you know, something's going on that you don't have the repo market. So I don't know exactly what, um, I'm not super knowledgeable in this whole repo market thing. I've read, you know, some on it, but my point is, is somebody needs money and people, you know, the Fed is instead of people paying really stupid interest rates, like that temp when we spiked to 10% one night, the Fed has came yep. in and injected, over 200 billion like it's like 300 billion now yeah there's over 300 billion now and we don't even have the most up-to-date numbers we, i was guessing i think the last podcast i mentioned we were probably hit four or i might just said too we're gonna hit four trillion on the fed balance sheet very shortly here um and i think it won't be long before we are back above 4.45 or 4.5 trillion whatever the peak was so i don't think it'll be long yeah i, I- I don't see how we. It's it's don't cocaine. It's cocaine, direction. dude. It's it's like right. you know a heroin for the markets. I mean, they literally right. they have to keep injecting the markets. They don't. It's you know the the the, the party ends. Musical ch- it becomes musical chairs. That's what it is. Except there's like exactly a hundred people in like four chairs. Right. It's, it's that's what's happened, and it's it's insane. I want to jump into. Uh... I want to jump back into Lebanon for a yeah. second just to talk about it a little bit more and the banking crisis. As I was taking a look at that article, <clears throat> it's interesting. I wanted to read this quote and then and then kind of touch on that. So one of the top bank officials said operations of the bank will fully resume after the Lebanon crisis ends. So let me read this quote. Once normalcy is restored, we are very confident that we can resume servicing our customers in full capacity. We have operated in the past in the darkest and most difficult moments and never defaulted or neglected our obligations. 
it's just like a very interesting choice of words. We've never defaulted and never neglected our obligations. Uh, that's one of the times where I would say, you never say never, right? And I think it's a good reminder that, uh, bear in mind, the banks have been closed for at least six working days. Okay. So the bank says, we've never defaulted, we've never neglected our objection obligations, but the bank's been closed for six working days. So it's a good reminder that the money that you put in the bank is really not your money. And they can just choose to close it, and that's kind of that's the end of the story. You you can't get it. And I know nobody thinks that that could actually happen to them, right? It's not oh, you know, the this magical land, Lebanon, that's so far away. Only in a place like that would you not be able to access your money. That the banks would close, and the good people at the bank would never let you get your money. Like it's just, it can happen anywhere. And I I I just don't think anybody who hasn't experienced it is uh, just assumes that it can't happen. And I, and I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with the money part. Like, it's not your money if it's in the bank. But I will say this. Like, when you think about Lebanon and what they dealt with, like, in the 70s, 80s, and, you know, 90s, even the early 2000s, um, they've seen shit. That's all I have to say. Right. Like, like, I mean, like, relative to, you know, I mean, obviously there's protests and whatever going on. But, like, when you think about civil wars and what they've had dealt with their country, it's, it's, so we'll see if they pull through, but you are a hundred percent right. The money in your bank is not yours. Yeah. It's just <laughs> when I, when I see this stuff, you don't think twice about it until, and it's funny because Nassim Taleb, one of, one of my favorite authors who's from Lebanon, he, he responded to, to one of these, uh, you know, the Lebanese protesting, uh, tweets. And he was like, you know, to summarize, like this is why cryptocurrencies exist because banks aren't always open when you need them, especially when you need them to be. And I, the more people who can't access their money and the more people who get censored financially, the more that starts to just make sense from a, I know you and I are into it, so, you know, we like it, but for the average person to start to realize, huh, you know, Maybe all that money in the bank isn't – I really can't access it if I really needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more you see like this global unrest, it kind of makes sense. And you know, just to follow up on the global aspect, I saw that McKinsey had recently put out a survey saying that more than half of the world banks are too weak to survive a downturn. So what does that even mean when you hear that? Well, it just means – I think we're in this time like we're – and as we keep saying, what the Fed's doing right now, the Fed is doing whatever they can along with every other central bank to keep whatever they have going, going. This new normal, as they say, you know, where, right. you know, volatility is not allowed. Markets can't, you know, and realistically, markets can't go down. There's this whole passive investing thesis built on markets don't go down. And as you and I were talking at the start, like, there's, as, there's what millions upon millions of Americans that have 401ks that passively invest into these funds. You know what, you know, at some point these things aren't just going to go up perpetually, you know, it's, you know, it's not different this time. Nothing's you know different. Um, so that's, you yeah. know, yeah, that's where, you know, and, and that, it's a good point because all of the passive investing is that's, that's all the new money going into the system. Right. And, when you take a step back and you start thinking, well, what does that look like if there is um, 
if there is a deflationary recession, right? Let's let's assume unemployment does go up to back up to 5%, then 6%, then 10%. Like it gets pretty high. That's a lot of money that was going into the markets every two weeks that stops and that dries up and it can dry up very quickly. And you combine that with um, a bunch of people who are retiring, right? You have a large portion of the population retiring and they're not, they're not taking that income and still pumping the markets and pumping it and pumping it. Um, I can see how uh, stocks don't continue to go up in the event that there is a recession, unemployment increases, that new funds aren't going in passively, and then you know whatever happens happens. But uh, it's definitely scary when you realize that half of the world banks wouldn't be able to survive a downturn. And I, and I think that's where I know we talk about this all the time. But You're what's not getting the end your game? money what's back. Next? <laughs> Yeah, like what you know. Let's assume, let's assume half the banks on the planet default, uh, and you know the United States defaulted in 1971, and nobody really talks about that. Like we had to come off of the gold standard because nobody could redeem what we what we said we had. And when when that happens again, that's what that would be. The banks are defaulting; they do not have the money. Um, you know that replacement starts to look like a IMF coin, a Fed coin, you know, how do you, you just make, make new money and you default and then the show goes on, but, uh, people will be pissed and they'll have to pay, pay the price of heavy inflation. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm reading a pretty interesting book. I just started right now. It's called suicide of the West. And it's just talking about, you know, all that's happened and especially since recently, you know, we talk about since the financial crisis, but like, you know, um, you know, just when you look at the even in the U.S., the political gap and divide has become so divisive. Um, and in other countries, you're seeing it just come out in the form of protests, like we see in Lebanon, as we see in um, which you know, Beirut, Lebanon, Hong Kong, Barcelona, um, obviously Paris. I mean, Paris is a major city, and that was going on. I, I think it's still going on, but I just don't think it gets covered to the extent it should. The Dutch farmers. Right. I mean. The Dutch farmers literally took tractors and just blocked every road. Basically, it was insane. You right, see the that videos? was big. Yeah, that was yeah, that was wild. Nobody talked about that though. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think, and as they say, like the revolution will be televised. I think you're seeing there's a huge, huge silent majority. I think, and I think people are starting to realize that. I think a lot of people are in the same boat, like a lot of people, and right. you're seeing it just kind of slow not even slowly it's happening fast country by country happening um and that michael krieger that blitz liberty blitz or whatever on twitter he's really good content right some good stuff he talks about you know we're living in a very interesting time and like some you know we, we're on the cusp of something big i don't know what it is but the current system is not so st- stable right it just uh it really makes you wonder it, it's tough what do you think? Should we jump into the Zuck and Congress for the last topic? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so Mark Zuckerberg was. <laughs> it's like I can't, I can't not laugh at this. Zuck uh, had to go to Congress and just got absolutely torn apart by everyone, and it was really embarrassing, kind of to watch, and very, very cringeworthy. 
it's funny because like you know Zuck's <laughs> I wouldn't say Zuck is my boy, but like I felt bad for the guy. It was it was stupid. It was bad that he no, it, was, it was it was just really it was really bad and um it it it, it was just bad. They they really gave him a hard time about a lot of stuff that uh it was just kind of false. Like asked him really dumb political questions that to, he didn't I, I don't think that 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 wasn't why he was there right I'll, I can um, rant on this because I, I listened to videos and it was painful and you like yeah. you well, I, like uh, you watch him sit there and it's like like I'll just list like AOC was going after him for political ads ran by the Daily Beast she was attacking him on that and then when he was like well we don't you know decide who can post political ads or whatever and she just starts ripping at him on something else completely Besides the point of Libra, you know, what, you know, right. and then there was a, 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 a Democratic representative, I don't know, some, I, he looked like Hawaiian or something or Samoan, and he was asking why aren't there, you know, is enough LGBTQ plus people on the Libra team, and finally Maxine <laughs> Waters was going in about, I think it was Maxine Waters, about Russia conspiracy, and it's like, I don't think any of these people came in and did their homework. They just came here to make fools themselves. And Zuckerberg's sitting here like, and as I said, I don't. I mentioned before, I don't like Zuckerberg, but like as you said, he felt bad. It's like he's sitting here, and these people are these con- Congress people are just making fools themselves. You know, he, yeah. he was there for the Lieber hearing. Am I wrong? I, I'm pretty sure he was there for the Lieber, right? No, no, no. Yeah. Okay, because that, like they I, were I asking that questions the, that were the, so the topic far of the whole thing. Yeah. The so far off, dude. And I was just like, it's like none of these people did homework. It's like they should be they should be kicked out of their jobs. Like, you know, why not get the right people that you know? These people are, you know, supposedly voted in, and they aren't doing their jobs. It's, it's and it, like as an American citizen, you know, left or right, you're looking at this, and it doesn't matter. Like you just like, what are they doing? You know, they it. It was a very specific thing, Libra, the crypto, you know, how it was going to affect markets, et cetera. And... Right. No, it, it's it's embarrassing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, just to talk about the the Libra aspect of it, um, on on one hand, the the free market advocate in me says, I have I have no issues with Libra. Like, do it, go for it. If if you think that's the the best way you can do it, you can onboard a few billion people uh, who want to be able to transfer value back and forth across the globe to, you know, their brother, sister, grandparents in another country. Like, yeah, that that's fantastic. Super needed. Um, it'd be great to have uh, the people who are really trying to help their families the most not get destroyed by Western Union trying to send a couple of hundred bucks back to wherever. Uh, you know, a lot of it's very ridiculous. But on the other hand, you think about all of the privacy issues that come along with Facebook, storing people's conversations, their pictures, uh, just a lot of not so great things for your privacy. And you start to think, you know, do I really want to want my, my financial transactions to be tracked, um, by, by Facebook? And, you know, obviously you don't, but the whole thing just sucks because on one hand it sucks, I guess is a better way to say it. Uh, because you want to see, you know, technology kind of flourish and, and you heard a couple of the more, I don't know, informed Congress people kind of 
understand that, but then also suggest like, why aren't you using something else like Bitcoin or, you know, Patrick McHenry kind of took a jab at him and, and Warren Davidson just kind of saying like, you know, there's a reason you're here pretty much. And one of them made the point that you can't subpoena Satoshi, which is, that's like the, the most beautiful part about, um, you know, decentralized money. Like there's, there, there is nobody to put on the stand, right? There, there is no fungibility. You you can't reach out to Satoshi, right? You just can't, you can't do that, but they can, if Libra goes wrong, um, let's assume, let's assume Libra works fantastic. It's great. Um, you know, humans are flourishing. It, it, It worked out fantastic. Uh, and let's say governments around the world don't like that because it is working. Uh, they can just go grab Zuck from his house, put him on the stand. Like, and, and that's where you start to realize that uh, a more decentralized and, – and gold has this. Uh, gold has this property too, right? There, there's no fucking gold maker, like one, one fucking guy who controls all the gold. Uh, although I guess <laughs> you could say the majority of it is in Fort Knox. But like – it kind of has a similar property and that's what makes, you know, Bitcoin in my opinion, very special that there is nobody you can just kind of grab and put them on the stand and, or throw them in prison or whatever. Let's put Roger. Uh, I I think that's just, you know, (laughs) that guy's already gone to prison and paid his dues, I guess, as much as I really don't care for the guy too much. anymore. I think that's Charlie. I think you're Uh, thinking of Charlie Shrem. No, no, no. Roger Ver went to prison as well for selling, uh, explosives on eBay. It was like, you know, (laughs) Not not actually explosives. It was like uh, I didn't know you did that. Like fertilizer, chemicals, kind of thing, sold as explosives or firecrackers or whatever. It's interesting because you know the guy's a more of a libertarian, very strong view. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I agree with a lot of his uh, political views for sure, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like he, he also sucks as a scammer. So, yeah. but yeah, man, he he went to prison and. So did Charlie Shrem. And it's funny yeah. that those two kind of uh, work together. But. Um, but they were but they were like the early Bitcoin people. Like that's like, you know, when you when I, you know, like early Bitcoin, that's you know, the big I don't know, that's that's who I thought of like before I really got into crypto. Those are the names. No, yeah, I mean and when you really think about it, think about the people who went to prison, early Bitcoiners. Yeah. Charlie, Charlie Shrem, Roger, Ross. Uh, that that might have been before and then Ross. And and Ross, um, for anybody who doesn't know who Ross Ulbricht is, definitely Google him. Look into his case. Uh, you know, the the guy's fucked. Really, he's stuck in prison forever unless uh, a presidential pardon. Which, yeah, I mean, and for making a website, and it's pretty, it's it's upsetting. But at the same time, I wonder how many people thought twice about doing something with Bitcoin because Ross was thrown in prison for the rest of his life and that's I wonder how many um, people are rich because of Ross <laughs> oh yeah because they're like it, buying you know bitcoin and shit coins back in the day and they just had them and then one day these tokens are worth a hundred times their money or bitcoin's worth no, yeah, 100 a hundred x of what it was three years ago <laughs> I listened to a podcast of a guy who was a drug dealer on the Silk Road and he he, he said he got in the forced hodl mode because he had to go to jail for like three years or something. And he's like, I came out and like a bull market had happened and he was like, holy shit. But imagine, you know, <laughs> buying Bitcoin. 
to be a drug dealer on the Silk Road, making a ton of BTC, and then having a forced hodl because you were thrown in jail. Like it, the whole thing is mind blowing. Um, that, but I mean, like that's legit. Like that happened to people, more people than you'd probably think who've been, who have heavy uh, BTC bags from the days of the Silk Road. Um, and I think people don't think about how important the the Silk Road actually is. That was that was like your first free market. And it was, uh, as much as people don't uh, think the Silk Road was a good thing, it was a fantastic thing for showing how uh, free markets can really flourish, yeah. especially when it comes to like the, the war on drugs and the drug trade. Like there were people who were trying to either uh, get drugs for their family members with cancer. Like I think Peter McCormack did that. Um, and then you had other people who, who didn't want to engage with their local, uh, friendly neighborhood drug dealer. And, uh, it was a, it was a safer way to have free market transactions if you wanted to get drugs. And, uh, if anything, crime was decreasing and, um, it would be a very positive thing for society, but, uh, it's very scary to, to your, um, your favorite senators or whoever to hear that, you can buy illegal goods over the internet, even though you're not harming anybody. <clears throat> and the the best part was that Bitcoin made the whole thing possible, or how, how else would you pay for it? And I think that turned so many people in 2012, 2013 into Bitcoiners because like it fucking worked, which is mind blowing that it actually worked. Mm. It's, it'll be interesting, you know, how history you know treats that i mean because that's so recent when you think about it only what four years ago when it shut down five years ago 2014 yeah i mean i think it was 2013 is when it was shut down how long was it's funny because i remember open for i I think almost two years or so yeah but it's interesting because i remember being at work in 2013 and someone had mentioned the silk road to me and like it didn't well, like it didn't click. I didn't. I didn't understand what it was. I think I knew that you could, you know, buy drugs over the internet, but I didn't. I didn't know that <laughs> Bitcoin was the fucking medium of exchange. That's how you actually paid for it. Yeah. So that part didn't click with me. I wish somebody would have told me beforehand because I that would have been uh, maybe I, maybe I would have gotten interested earlier. But yeah, I mean, it it is wild for sure. There was a kid I knew who who was like this was like after the twenty the twenty fourteen you know peak or twenty thirteen and the twenty thirteen peak or whatever. He was like, I think, you know, just buying drugs, you know, through the dark web, you know, in 2015 and 2016, you know, buying Bitcoin and having to buy Monero to buy these drugs and like didn't even think about it and was like, fuck. <laughs> he, when we were talking about it, like, you know, and like when everything went retarded in 2017, he's like, fuck. He's like, here I am diddling around this thing. Like, think about it, dude. Like. I'm just gonna pull up the coin market cap chart just because he. So are you saying like he wasn't even thinking about it from an investment standpoint? Yeah. He was just using it to well okay, to make I money. Gotcha. Yes, <laughs> and like you think about like the wall like that just that that year became like it was just you know. Yeah, I mean, just, you know. Right. Let's see. I think it told. No. That's what. This is a better chart, actually. This is the. It's just like. 
you know, and it, it, it didn't matter what you owned. It went up, you know, owning Bitcoin and Monero obviously went up tens of times, if not hundred for Monero. But I know Bitcoin went up, you know, from whatever point he had of that, like 50, 60 times probably. Right. You know, it's just funny, you know. And then there's other kids I know who like were in even earlier and they, you know, were in stupid early and still, you know, like I knew someone who like had Ethereum in the fucking ICO and sold it like eight bucks and thought he did well. <laughs> right. How like, crazy. Dude, yeah. You know, you think about that, like that's like light, you know, the amount of money that came after that obviously was life changing, but it's like shit. That's like, wow. I heard somebody say today that. Um, you're not a real Bitcoiner until you've lived through two bear markets. And I, I think that actually is going to turn out to be true because, okay, so you and I have kind of lived through one, right? Or yeah. maybe we're still in the middle of one. Although I don't I don't think that we are in, in the middle of it still. But um, you've lived through one. You've seen the downturn. You've seen another pump after that. Okay, I can deal with that. I wonder how much stronger your conviction is or how much um, – how, what's the right? Yeah, maybe how strong your conviction is after you've lived through that second bull market and then a second bear market and you start to come out of that where you're like, okay, I've seen it go from small market like, cap to big market cap to to cut in 80% and then back again. So it's like, I, I feel like I did all my research in the bear market to like, okay, I have a feeling even after the next bull market, there will be another crash and it's not going to die after that. Like we will, it will be bubble after bubble after bubble after bubble. Uh, that becomes what you think will end up happening, which is that's where I'm at now. But I don't wonder if that's really the case. Like how many bubbles does somebody really need to be a part of before they're like, all right, it's just going to bubble up and bubble up and bubble up. Yeah. I, you know, my, my thought is it's like, you think about like the people who have been investors or traders for a long time, like I'll just use the Warren Buffetts and you know, the the Peter Lynch's, etc. You know they they go through multiple cycles to the point you know where their emotions you know it's just the the emotional de- detach. I think that's the biggest thing with exactly. investing or trading. And I, and I, I you know there's a pretty depressing site I actually stumbled across today because of this guy Trader Dante it's the uh, it's called the Trader Confessions or whatever and it's but you read these people just anonymous confessions of trading in, and it's like you know they mention like you know some of the greatest traders it's all just about they don't even they don't usually it's just all about sentiment for them and just you know understanding what they're trading whether they just trade one thing you know some people just trade one thing whether that just be they just trade you know S&P futures or they just trade you know one thing it's because they right. understand the market. They understand how it works. And it's, it's a completely understand the psychology of the market, you know, et cetera. There's so much to understand. It's, and it's pretty mm-hmm. incredible, um, you know. And, and that's, I think, the same thing for people who have been through crypto psychos. You know, if they, if they went through 2013, you know, 2014, 2015, whatever, and we're still in for the 2017 run, I, I think by then you're not only you're a little more comfortable, but – if you if you did your research and didn't just waste your time, obviously you probably got, you know, emotionally more st- stable. It's really that simple, you know. Right, you're 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 comfortable with what the technology is, what it is, what its implications are, what's what's true, what's not, what's fud, what's what's real. Um, FUD. You know, and I think that's kind of right. Like that, I, I've I've now I've figured out like that was all I did in 2018. I was like, all right, piece by piece, each thing of fud. Doesn't make sense. 
and then kind of work your way through it. And then you realize a, a bunch of it's just a bunch of bullshit. And then you start going with shit coins like, OK, well, why doesn't this make sense? And why, why, why would you assume that uh, the majority of value would accrue to one thing? Um, well, because it has historically every single time it, it makes sense. You don't want to go from uh, the barter that we have today. Each society has their own money. And then, you know, each nation has their own money, but it's still a bitch when you want to travel overseas because you still need to then convert into a new money and then use that. And so it's, it's a, it's still a barter system. And I just don't see how it makes economic or logical sense that you're going to move then into digital barter and, you know, buy, (laughs) buy gift cards that that are volatile and then and then use those for certain use cases. It's just you know, it just doesn't make very very much sense. So you do your homework, you go through all of that, and and now you're here. And either we get out of the depths of this bear market, crack new all time highs, and keep going in the next couple of years, or you don't. But it it seems like everybody who's been around for more than one or two cycles is like, uh, yeah, you just kind of have to deal with this. Like this is the way it goes. It pumps, it dumps, everybody gets shaken out. There's a handful of people left. The price goes back up again no, after no the supply survivors. gets cut dude, in half. It, like when we talk about crypto yeah. Twitter, it's like it's, it's just it's dead. And it's dead, dude. Crypto what, it's dead. Like like I don't think people like who like you and I went through it, like in twenty seventeen, it everything was active crypto, whether it was Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, you name it, every access route, Slack channels, other you name it, there are people in crypto. There isn't just an ungodly amount of people in it. Um, yep. And now yep. there's a few people no, left around, and that's about it. Yeah, you have a bunch of people who either have heavy bags who stuck around. Uh, maybe you have people who kind of like sold at certain points and kind of you know retired. They're crypto rich, and they're just hanging out. But I mean, even the people who kind of got me into this space, like they're all gone. One of the guys actually hit me up today and we were chatting for a little bit, but I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I haven't heard from you since like the end of 2017. And then everybody was just like, not going to talk about it. Now it's two years later. It's two years. It's been a long, long time. I know. It's literally been, (laughs) fuck. No, it's been a long time. And like, and the thing is like, it's still here. We're still at what seven and a half K we still hit almost 14 K and it was not that many people who were in who were like, all right, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to start buying again. And, and that was it. And and now we're here. So I can't imagine <laughs> like what the, what the space looks like when you get that new wave of new users again, like, uh, it, it, it'll just, it'll be messy for sure. But yeah. the emotional change, like it happens like that. Yeah. And that's that's the sentiment you were just talking about. I mean, the the sentiment for me right now is like it's no, nobody's around and uh, everybody is like hopeful but bearish. So I, I like that. To me, that's like bullish for me because I'm like, all right, cool. I can I can stack stats on the cheap, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, how many people got you into crypto? A couple? Yeah, it was one of my coworkers and then like a large group of his friends kind of like got him in maybe five or and they, they're 10 just all, dudes. They're just, they don't even associate. Yeah. With no, yeah nobody, nobody mentions it. I, one guy like absolutely crushed it on, on Ethereum. I think he got in like close to 
pre-sale levels or like in the sub oh, couple buck it. range. Yeah. So like, you know, he was like, he's, and he's doing fine, but he also, he didn't do any homework. Like he doesn't can probably can barely use a hardware wallet, all that stuff. Like it's not, it, it's not like he's an expert, right? So yeah. you have a bunch of people who made a lot who have done zero research of like really trying to become a little bit more of an expert in the space. Uh, I feel like I was the only jerk off who was like, all right, I'm going to try to research this and, you know, see what make is memes actually about crypto going on because <laughs> yeah, like that was, I'm like, all right, well I'm already, I've already bought the, you know, I bought early ish, but you, you know, also you're investing at the top. Like that, that's okay. I can, I can deal with that and live with my mistakes, but if I'm going to live with my mistakes, I might as well do as much research as humanly possible to try to figure out what the fuck is going on here. But not many people did that. And that's the sentiment we were talking about. That's the emotions. People just literally stopped talking about it because mm. it was this not fun to talk is, about. A lot of people lost a lot of money. Oh, yeah. No, people people were up six figures, seven figures. I mean, we're talking a lot of money. People were up. Yeah. And then, I mean, they lost it all. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't they didn't convert any of their alts. They just, they're holding them and, you know, ho- just one more pump. Hopefully there's one more pump around the corner. Um, you know, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Uh, I personally didn't, didn't take that chance and I did my homework and realized I was an idiot and kind of dumped my alts. Uh, but no yeah, like you need to be willing, like when you're wrong, you need to yeah, be no, okay with being wrong. I knew with I was wrong. Trading, I, just I, knowing I knew, you're wrong. Yeah. I knew I was wrong. I realized uh, all the shit coins I was holding, it was just a bunch of vaporware. Uh, it was really just vaporware. I didn't know it, know any better. I was thinking, uh, you know, everything's just going to be tokenized and you know, all this stuff. And it, it made sense cause everyone was making money. Like it's very easy to convince yourself something works when you're getting rich. Right. I like, dude, well, it, it's like, you, you look, you're, yourself you're looking at this chart too. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like yeah. you, you it's didn't like, have oh, to do anything. You didn't have to do anything. It just went up. And it right. wasn't like it went up 10, 20%. No, it was going up 500%, 1,000%, 1,500%, 2,000%, 3,000%. You know, where it was like, you're so deep in the money, you're just like, huh? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the reality. And it's, and it's not, it's non-leveraged too. It's all spot buys, whether, you know, you were in Bitcoin, well, you could have been leveraging, but it was like spot buys of alts and Bitcoin. And you're up, you know, 20 times your money and you're just like yeah you know right you're up unbelievable amounts and it you can talk yourself into anything like it just makes sense and uh it's very dangerous because if you don't like if you don't if you if you don't check yourself and sit down and like i had to sit down and convince myself like i can't believe how dumb you were like none of this makes any sense any all of your investment theses for these shit coins just don't make any sense and you have to kind of come to terms with that and get over it. And, you know, a couple of them are like, oh, man, yeah, man, my fucking my decentralized world computer. I'm like, all right, dude, like if that's your thesis, like go for it. It's not going to work out for you too well. But um, like you, you can't help someone at that point. You kind of have to let them uh, take that financial loss. They need to get wrecked in order to like check themselves and be like, all right, I, you know, if you want to get out of the space totally, you know, be my guest. But um only until you've suffered financial losses do you have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, "All right, I, I fucking I fucked up." Yeah, no, it's um, like the the um, what was I gonna say? Like, I wonder how different for me it would have been if I wasn't open about being crypto like that year, and just like 
how much different it have been going through that bull market, like having no one know what's going on, you know, like emotionally for me. I don't think people still get it. A lot of people uh, don't get it who haven't traded or dealt with it. It's, it's right. really hard to explain. Right. It's like you have to you have to go through it and understand. People think they know they don't. You know, I, no, I, I laugh. Really at, I laugh at people who gamble with like hundreds of dollars. I've seen you know where I live now. Gambling's legal, and I like laugh at it. I'm like, you have zero clue. Like you think that's bad. It like you know, like that's living on the edge. Yeah, yeah. You think that's living on the edge? <laughs> it's, no, it's no, hard no. It's, to explain. it's a good point. It's a good point, and. Listen, it's super emotional. I had to pay that price in all of 2018. Like, you get fucking depressed, man, when you make a ton of money and then all of a sudden you're down a ton of money and you're like, did I did I really blow this? Like, did I fall for a, a gigantic scam and Ponzi scheme? Like, it, it, it's not fun. And this whole time I realized, you know, I've tried to trade my whole life, right? My, my dad likes to trade. He's not a very good trader. He tried to get me into trading. I'm not a very good trader. And then you just sit and look at it and you you go through something like a 2017 uh, Bitcoin and crypto bull market and you realize you don't know shit after it crashes and you have to deal with it and coming to the conclusion that you're wrong. This isn't like a, the new paradigm where it's every complete euphoric and it's going to be a top that never goes below a certain point. You know, it's just it's not it's not realistic and it's a good lesson for somebody to kind of go through and realize you're trying to you know, become a, a trader and it's just not, it's really not for everybody. No, it's like the majority of people really shouldn't be trading because it is, it, it is speculating. Like sure you can say it's investing, but you're really speculating that the price you buy it at is going to be lower than the price you're going to sell it at. Mm-hmm. And you can convince yourself as, as much as you want. It, it might not be the case. And, uh, you know, to f- follow up with what you said about like if, if you like didn't get into the market, I was really close to not buying anything at all. And, uh, you know, I wonder <laughs> I wonder if I would even care, like if I would have done any research. I think you kind of need to have skin in the game to want to sit down and take a closer oh, yeah. look at it. I, no, I don't know. Skin in the game definitely helps. I don't know. Like here, for example, like Twitter today, like it's something I've been kind of on my radar and then it goes down 20 percent. And you're just like, Right. Poor Jack Dorsey. 20% yeah, of his sure net worth in Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it Poof. is insane. Poof. Hundreds. Dude, think about it. That's what people understand. That's millions of dollars. Poof. Yeah, no, that's scary. I mean, well, the case... What do you think? Is this a good point to wrap it up? Yeah, good. this is a very good point to wrap it up. Well, uh, episode 48. Yep, this is episode 48. Uh, thanks for checking this one out. Uh, do us a favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Leave us a comment. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Really appreciate it. And go ahead and leave us some, some stars on Apple Podcasts if you uh, feel so inclined. All right, peace. peace.